All right, we're on the air. We are back with the crew. We got the good doctor. We got Miles. And uh, we're going to chop it up today. We're going to talk about the Vikings. We're going to talk about the loss to the Lions. And uh, we're going to divvy up some blame and uh, discuss what's next, what the future might hold for these Minnesota Vikings. So uh, join us. Stay tuned. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on the other side of the music. Get it, if. Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. All right. We are back. It is Tuesday. In the Huddle, here to talk Minnesota Vikings as we get going. Shout out to Mary. What up, Raymond? Who else we got in here with us right now? GMAC kicking it with us. Whenever Tyler shows up, I need all y'all to wish him a happy birthday. It is his birthday today. Let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about these Minnesota Vikings because we've been itching to get to it here. Eric, my man, busiest dude uh, at PFF. How you doing? How you been? How's Creed? Oh, Creed's good, man. Creed is good. Um uh, finally, a good draft pick by uh, Brett Feach. Um, but uh, yeah, things are going uh, okay. I mean, it was the 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 one o'clock games on Sunday were rough. The only close one was obviously the one that we had to endure uh, watching the Vikings lo- lose to Detroit. Um, but uh, you know, the season has flown by. I think we I think we're actually going to get a good game Thursday night. So I'm excited about that. Awesome, and uh. Miles, my man, how you doing? What up? How you been? You know, I got to spend a week with you, so I'm good. Went up to Toronto, true, man. You got for some work, and Miles came through. Yeah, it was good times. Um, good times. Well, now I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> I'm jealous now. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, then we came back. I came back and I had to watch that game on Sunday. So, I mean, yeah, a little give it, and take. It, the universe. The universe balances itself out. So before we really exactly. jump into this, I have a really important question that I need to ask Eric. It's a very serious question. Eric, do you hate Kirk Cousins? I I, I don't hate Kirk. I mean, remember this offseason I had him ranked eighth. I had him in a cluster of quarterbacks that included mm-hmm. Lamar and Baker I think I was maybe a little too low on Lamar, a little too high yeah. on Baker. I think I was, I think I was just right on. But like Lamar, I mean, Lamar's going through kind of this natural experiment, right? Where like you think about the Kirk Cousins thing, where it's like if you sign him to forty-five million or whatever, it's not actually forty-five, but if you sign him to like thirty million, right, thirty-five million, then the whole roster kind of goes kaput because you don't have depth and you don't have flexibility. And then what happens? Like the interesting thing about Lamar is with all the injuries to the Ravens roster, you're getting that natural experiment right now when he's on a rookie deal. And I think for the most part, them at eight and four, he's answered the call with, yeah, I'm good enough, right? Like I think that that's fair. Whereas with Baker, you sort of done the exact opposite. That whole roster other than him is pretty good. And he's been kind of butt. So like obviously you have to move on from him. Kirk, Kirk's played – Kirk's played better than he's ever played for the Vikings this year. Like, let's be really honest. And I think the fact that they still can't win with him on the roster, I think proves us all even more. Like, I think like when we, when he was signed, all of us on this show, all of us in this network, right. were skeptical of the Vikings ability to build a winning roster around him. And to a, to a certain extent, Kirk has, I think, exceeded all of, all of our expectations, hasn't he? Personally, individually, he's probably exceeded them. And the fact that this team, I mean, geez, <laughs> the last two years, they have, a, they have a lower record than the Washington football team, the team that he left. Like, doesn't that just say everything about everything about the league and the quarterback position and what it takes to sort of win at the position? It's a very – and again – I think maybe I'm a little too hard on the Vikings in that there are other teams that have made this mistake. The Rams made this mistake with Goff. They're they're making this mistake with Stafford. Um, the Eagles made the mistake with Wentz. Um, 
the the, the Browns might make this mistake with Baker. Um, geez, <laughs> the, the comments are pretty funny. Um, <laughs> do you think like, do you think the Raiders do you think the Raiders fall into that, or do you think the contract for Derek Carr isn't as bad? Well, I well, I mean, this is the first year they've actually I think had decent talent around him, right? And they they for the most part have fallen short, right? They have not. I mean, they're classic right. start the season well. You know, kind of work your way. Hey, maybe they're able to work their way around this contract, but then by the time the season gets to the midway point, they start to collapse, right? So yeah, I mean, Carr is in that. Carr is basically like a in the same cluster as Kirk is, right? And in a good way. I think Carr is a good quarterback too, but like not good enough to overcome that much stuff, right? And so I think like ultimately the conclusion is the bar for the bar for how good you have to be to, to have that to earn that contract is so high, higher than even we thought. And the edge for having a rookie quarterback deal is even higher than we all thought. Right. So uh, one of the things that you've one of the points that you've made previously is that the problem might be that the elite quarterbacks just aren't paid enough, and so that when you sign a Kirk to a deal he is being paid similarly to like a Patrick Mahomes type player. And so like there obviously is no edge there. Like you're obviously losing ground. Is is that what it is? Is that like the quarterback, the top of the quarterback market is so flat that basically if you're not paying for like the best of the best, you're doing yourself a disservice once you pay a quarterback because your margin for error everywhere else becomes so small. Well, real quick, Eric, I want to jump. In, I want to. I want to jump in on that real quick, just because I feel like timing obviously is everything for every team. I think you have you have a cap situation that you plan out over like three years, and the Vikings had a plan to make a move at a quarterback in 2018. Um, when a quarterback, even at, like a quarterback of Kirk's level, doesn't they don't come available very often, and. So I think when you get those situations, those guys are going to break the bank no matter what. And then on the other end of that, teams are afraid of moving on from their quarterback because if their quarterback is even good, not it doesn't have to be great, doesn't have to be above average, but like good, teams seem to be afraid of losing what they have because everyone's afraid of, for rightfully so, people are afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of, well, if, if I'm made out to be wrong on this quarterback initially, that's a strike against me. So if I don't give him a contract, then I, it's just going to be viewed, viewed by ownership as if I don't know what I'm doing and that they might need to move on from me. So all of those things seem to factor into why quarterbacks, even the mid-tier quarterbacks, make elite-tier money because they're the ones resetting the market. And the structures might be a little bit more team-friendly in those in those cases. But when you have a guy like Kirk Cousins who is in a position to get another large-scale contract because of the way he's been able to negotiate the Vikings are in a really weird situation where I know we, we weren't getting down this road, but like the Vikings either have to extend him or trade him because you can't let a quarterback of Kirk's level hit free agency. Because if you do that, then you, you lose all the, you lose any sort of like compensation package that you have. And you're already looking to, to like start over at quarterback. So I don't know. I'll let Eric go, but I just wanted to, Kind of touch on that point. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, even the year that Keenum left Minnesota, what the contract he got with the Broncos was like 18 million a year, right? Like the year that Brock Osweiler left Houston was just like two years prior, and he got 18 million a year. Um, There's sort of not a middle class quarterback, right? And the times it's been tried out, it's failed. You know, like the Osweiler and the Keenum and then even like the Bridgewater situation in Denver last or sorry, in Carolina last year was like 20 million. He was 10 million more than Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick in the draft. And like, even then like Carolina wanted to move on from him and it's sort of, I agree. Like they're, you're in a tough spot. Um, I, you know, I, I agree that it's partially because, you know, a guy like Mahomes isn't necessarily paid what he's worth. Um, because, you know, like if you look at, you know, war per dollar spent, you kind of have to cluster it around different positions. So because a quarterback has an impact on the O-line, he has an impact uh, on the receivers. And, you know, for the most part, like 
you can get a ton of war by paying, you know, by paying a guy like Kirk. And I, and I actually think this year Kirk's war is actually going to be, uh, you know, it might not get up to what he's actually being paid, but it's going to come close. And, you know, I think that like it's like the first time, you know, and, you know, and it doesn't actually sort of, if you look at all the years independently, it's actually not as bad as if you just look at the last year being tacked on at 45 and then the eventual sort of like uh, ball and chain that that represents. Right. So it's it's a hard problem, man. And again, I like I think the I think that obviously, you know, when you when you look at his statistics and you look at, you know, the, the competence he does have, it is competence that the Vikings have really only had, you know, in brief moments. You know, the only time they've had a continuous person this good at the position was Dante Culpepper, um, you know, Warren Moon. And then you're looking back all the way to Fran Tarkington, really, for like multiple three-year stretches. So I can understand Vikings fans being like, oh, like he's not the problem. But like the cat matters, man. Like, I don't know if anybody, I think my my colleague Brad Spielberg would tweet this out. The Saints leading receiver is Alvin Kamara with 32 catches. And he's missed the whole like half the season. Like, if you don't think the cap matters, then if you don't think the cap matters, then like look at the Saints and think like this is the bill that comes due if you don't address these issues. And it, it's not necessarily like I I actually think in some ways the Vikings aren't good enough for Kirk either at this point, right? Like I think he deserves to go somewhere that has a better situation for him. The problem is is where I think he's culpable is he'll never take a deal for his own team, the way that Brady and Mahomes and the guys who are sort of like that's, the winners will. Yep. And and to me, and that that's – go ahead, Miles. I was just going to say, and I think that's the point that – like it, I'm at a point where I, I mean the Vikings are in a situation where they essentially need to rebuild. And it doesn't need to be a long-term rebuild. It could be one to two years. But the situation with Kirk is – him signing two, three-year deals helps nobody but him. And that's, and again, I think that's a totally fair thing for Kirk to do. Kirk can maximize his dollars because he has the leverage to do it. But if, to your point, if Kirk wanted to sign a five, six-year type of deal, still get a lot of guaranteed money, that type of structure is going to help the Vikings or any team he were to sign with more than the two- to three-year deal because he's still going to get a guaranteed money but when you have the longer-term deal, teams can then work around that deal a little bit. The Vikings have had zero flexibility to do anything with Kirk's contract other than his extension, where they saved $10 million to sign Michael Pierce. Like, you have no room <laughs> to actually operate. <laughs> you, like, right? Like, you have no room to actually operate to do anything with, with him and his contract to help build around him if his con- continued contract's going to be one, two-year extensions. And so if that's what he's looking for next, the Vikings should tell him they're out. And if Kirk wants to play ball and say, well, I want to stay here long-term, I might get on board with it a little bit more based off of what we've seen from Kirk. Because at least then you have a little bit of stability and flexibility to create around him faster. Because then you don't have to get in the quick, you don't have to do the, oh, we have to go find a quarterback, we have to go do all these things you could actually potentially put yourself in a situation to rebuild or essentially retool quicker if that were the case. But again, I doubt Kirk does that. I don't blame him for not doing it. But if that's going to be the case and the Vikings need to stay, we're going to trade you to to whatever team's willing to pay for you. Yeah, and I, I think even – like, go ahead, Jay. No, I was just uh, – you know, we get to your point. There's just a couple questions I had based on what you were saying and what uh, what, what Miles just said. First one was – uh. You, you were talking that Vikings might not be good enough for Kirk, but you also mentioned like how well he's showing up statistically. Uh, Matt Collar dropped a, a piece today on Purple Insider. Everyone should go check that out. He's opened it up for the public, where he basically talks about Kirk's stats and how great the stats are and how odd it is that the stats aren't lining up with what historically we see with stats that look the way these stats do, right? And so a lot of the, the, the discourse that we'll see online is around passer rating, um, which, you know, can overrate completions. Uh, and then there's also some discussions around, you know, PFF grade, which seems to be giving a lot of uh, credence to a certain type of quarterback. Kind of, the kind of 
the boring quarterback, the safe quarterback, the Kirk quarterback, the one who's going to take the two-yard completion uh, when maybe there's an opportunity to push the ball downfield and get the first down. They're going to take the safe play. They're not going to make the big mistake. And so the stats look amazing. But, you know, in the article, and everyone should go check it out, Matt kind of breaks down a couple of things as to why the stats aren't lining up with the record. And it's something that we've seen throughout Kirk's time in Minnesota is that the stats look good. But typically quarterbacks who have stats like Kirk's win. So, and like you have quarterbacks with stats like Kirk this year whose teams have worse defenses and like have better records. So I was just looking for for your perspective as to like when you see something like this where like it just doesn't seem to make sense, um, like what are you pointing to? Is it is it that the offense doesn't get enough first downs, which is one of the things that Matt pointed out in the article, or is it something else? Well, I think Quang's point uh, is probably the biggest one is he's lacking in the, you know. Um, but I think um, to me, like, I think you bring up a great question and a great point about certain things. So passer rating has a problem in that it in that it's 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 non-stationary over time. So like our it's not like you know it's like all the guys who are on the top of passer rating historically are playing now, right? And and that that's an issue because it's just easier to pass. But we are also in a situation where the league has changed and it's changing quickly. Guys like Staley, guys like, you know, Raheem Morris, you know, there's there's good defensive minds who are changing the way the game is played. And there are aspects of winning football that are not necessarily, and I'll even say this, like our normalization stuff at PFF hasn't been updated since 18. And like, I think the league has evolved substantially since then, right? So things like RPOs, things like, you know, the, and I, and I got to quote this stat from um, my colleague, Timo Risky. Um, he actually had a, a really good, um, I, I think, question about what, what's happening to the league right now. Um, he was saying uh, positively graded plays. So grades, you know, plays where our graders give a positive grade to a quarterback is at an all-time low league-wide, um, but negative plays are too. And and so I asked him, okay, well, what can we – like, could that be a change in our graders? Could that be a change in the league? And so I asked him to look at basically sub, other stuff that correlates with our grades. Um, and he basically said the percentage of throws with an A dot of five yards or lower is at an all-time high in our database. So the number of just like check downs that are sort of zeros in our our database all are going are going up. Um and so those plays from our perspective we're giving zeros to, right? So when Kirk decides to throw the ball to CJ Ham like in the flat, you know, Kirk wants Kirk needs 10 and wants negative 2. Like that's getting a zero in our in our in our in our that, you know world. Real- Real quick, does ahead, that Miles. include like screen? Like, does that cl- include like design screens, or is that all throws? With I'm just curious. I, like, as you as all you throws. Through this. So, so there could be more design screens than normal for sure. Sure. And I think like that's part of the issue. Um, is is he being asked or to RPO, do these screens? RPO, like you said too. RPO stuff. So, and what what's happening is that as you sort of like like let's say Justin Herbert, where you have Let's say you throw one one really good pass followed by one really crappy pass, right? Like that's probably optimal maybe to throwing two kind of Kirk passes, right? Like five yards to Tyler Conklin. But like our system, and I and again, I don't grade the games. I just do the sort of data science on top of it. But like there might be a situation where I know passer rating would select for – just dumping the ball off, right? For sure. And and Kirk sprinkles in enough and and this is where it's maddening, right? Kirk sprinkles in enough like real like good throws to Justin Jefferson. Like balls where, you know, Kirk, you know, Justin Jefferson runs the the deep the deep crosser and Kirk nails him and he is really good at hitting that ball. And so it's weird. Like if Kirk 
didn't hit the downfield stuff, then I think his PFF grade would be terrible. And his passer rating is good because he doesn't throw interceptions. And I think a lot of times he's getting lucky on those. He, his PFF grade for us hasn't been good. Like it hasn't been above 80 for like uh, like six straight weeks. Maybe it was this week because he's actually throwing more turnover worthy plays because of people calling for them to be more aggressive. So I think it's falling back. The other thing to re- the other thing I think to sort of note here is that the league wide environment is a lot worse, right? I think Kirk's like a, the, one of the best of kind of a mediocre bunch of quarterbacks this year. When you look at Josh Allen hasn't played well. Patrick Mahomes hasn't played to his standard. Aaron Rodgers hasn't. Like, the first half of the Vikings game, Aaron Rodgers was terrible. Um, you know, Tom Brady's played wonderful, and he's grading better than Kirk. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts kind of does it a different way. Jalen Hurts in the run game is extremely valuable. In the pass game, he's good enough. Um, but, like, that's also part of it, is, like, the league-wide passing environment, because you look at the Bills and you look at the – the Chargers and the, the teams that have engineered their defenses to beat the Chiefs, like a lot of quarterbacks who are not as patient as Kirk Cousins are going to throw the ball into that coverage and get like worse grades, more interceptions, blah, blah, blah. Kirk, who's kind of like, I just work here. Kirk's going to dump the ball to CJ Ham and get completions and sort of optimize for the, um, for like the completion percentage and stuff like that. It's a common example of uh, Goodhart's law, which is basically what's measured, you know, what is being known to be measured, seeks being a bad, you know, so any one of us who are teachers or managers or whatever know that if you put KPIs on people, they're going to optimize for the KPIs. And like, I think Kirk is sort of like the football example of that guy, but there are other forces at work. A, he's playing pretty well. B, the league in and of itself isn't playing very well and they're optimizing for the great quarterbacks. They're not optimizing to stop Kirk's and, you know, and as well as I think Kirk is optimizing for the stats. I think, yeah. Lene just brought something up where she said, Kirk is cousins is good, which I think we'd all agree with. And also that, uh, you know, called out something that gets called out on a fairly consistent basis that the Vikings play calling has been less than stellar. Uh, Eric, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know early in the season, it was good. And then later in the season, it fallen to like kind of bang average. Are, 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 are we above average, below average? Like how are the Vikings doing from a play calling perspective? Yeah, let me, let me, let me look here. I haven't, I know that, I mean, it hasn't been great. Um, I know one thing that's always going to keep Clint sort of in the conversation, at least being okay, is the fact that the offensive line is terrible. I don't know who deserves this at this point. It's like anybody who mentions the Vikings offensive line, um, you know, to me, like deserves the hot dog suit at some level. Um, Because at this point, like we've all known this has been a problem and like they've never really wanted to solve it. So like I'm a little bit, like I'm a little bit worn out by this idea that the offensive line sucks, um, but that is well, certainly like in, a, a. The O line's also ahead. not. I know. I know the O line's not good. I I'll never. But like there were at least stretches earlier in the season where the O line was playing well. Like isn't that the point we got to? Is like just play well enough. Like yeah. the O line at least early, like earlier in the season, they were playing well enough. I'm not saying they were playing well. I'm not saying they're playing good, but. Some of, again, some of the better teams that they played, they perform well enough to for them to not sink the se- sink the team, sink the game, sink the team, sink Kirk Cousins, and it allowed Kirk Cousins to stay on schedule to make plays to Jefferson and Phelan. Like, isn't that essentially just all like what they've done? Essentially, the run game has been worse, but the overall pass game has been better. Isn't that the direction we kind of want them to go? Yeah, and I think you see that borne out in the data. So uh, Kubiak right. is 18th out of 32, and if you look at it from a you at you look at it from expected EPA versus what you've done EPA wise, he's 28th if you look at success rate. So what that means is like play for play, like it's the runs to Dalvin, it, it, it's the right. screens, and it's all that nonsense, right? And whereas. Kirk can kind of make that up for him with like a 30 yard strike to Jefferson or more likely, I mean, it's all Jefferson at this point, right? The guy's wide open by 30 yards. Seems like every, every game, 12 times. Um, 
So they're hitting big chunk plays. But the one of the reasons I think that their offense isn't as good is like relative to their talent level, they're just not being successful down for down the way that they should be. And and, and it's right. borne out. In We're the still running an there. Adrian Peterson offense then. Yeah, and I mean Adrian Peterson is a win now running back. I know that, but um, but he's uh, you know <laughs> hey, he got his, his time first is passed. He did. He got his first stub. So he beat, I he think beat the that 49ers, um, the Vikings him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so yeah, I think Clint deserves a lot of blame here too. I mean, that's the whole thing, though. It's like they. It, it's just. It's always something, right? And I think that the issue has got to be. If you're the Vikings in this offseason, is to is to essentially build in some slack, right? And I think the easiest place to do that is to get an offensive-minded head coach, um, let him grow there, right? Every single offensive coordinator that's young that's coached for the Vikings has essentially coached for their job from the first moment they they came here, right? You know, when when Pat Shermer did and he did great. You know, Kevin Stefanski did great. John D. Filippo did not, right? And I think Clint Kubiak is not. Like, he's, they're coaching for their job from the very moment. I just don't think that's a healthy thing. You bring in an offensive-minded coach, you know, you you sort of obviously, you know, you find a way to, to, to you know, get Kirk off the books. You, you, you draft another guy. You, you maybe bring in a bridge guy because there's going to be a lot of those guys here. You know, Jameis Winston will look good in purple, for example. And – you know, you just kind of, you build in some slack. You build in some outs. Whereas right now, I mean, it's hard, but like, and, it, and it's hard because essentially like eight out of the 10 things that the Vikings need to be good on a weekly basis are pretty good. It's the two out of 10 that kill them. And the, the what two they are, they end up being exactly so Marty. unpredictable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, that's why I think, you know, we give Kirk a lot of flack, and I think he deserves it in some sense because he's not willing to do what it takes financially for the Vikings, you know, but I don't think any of us would. I think it's easy for us to judge that sitting here, but at the same time, like, that that's the point, right? Like, anytime, you know, you're in that situation, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle because when your quarterback's Kirk Cousins and he performs well – that offensive coordinator is going to get a head coaching job. And if he performs poorly, then that coach is going to get fired. There's this sort of no in between. There's no happy medium there. Well, into that well, point Miles, of, can you of talk Kirk. To okay. Go ahead, Miles. Yeah. I was just, just, just going to say, into the, the point about the Kirk contract is, like, if Kirk's will, not willing to, like, I guess, quote-unquote, play ball, totally fair, he's also allowed to get criticized for it. And I think that's the – there's, like, this fine, weird line in, on Vikings – Viking from Vikings fans of like, are we allowed to criticize him? Or are we not? That means you don't like him. If you talk about his contract, it's like we could talk about everything. Like he could be good, but the contract can be holding him back and holding the team back. He can also not play ball and not give the Vikings a good quote unquote team friendly deal. But we can also criticize him for not doing that and holding him to the standard of what his contract is asking him to do. Like there's all those things that we can do that it doesn't need to be a hater or not a hater type thing. So. I just wanted to vent yes. about that real quick. I mean, I mean okay, ultimately, thank you. thank you for saying that. Ultimately, no one. This this is what I don't get, and this is what I think drives me a little crazy about Vikings fandom. It's okay to want the team to win, right? It's it's like it's okay. You know, the, to, the like, wildest part. The wildest part is I saw people say last night that if Kirk Cousins had thrown three passes in the game and the team won, fans would be more mad about Kirk Cousins not throwing i was like the vikings nope. with teddy bridgewater in 2015 he lit like teddy bridgewater's team that team went 11 and 5 teddy bridgewater didn't play that well in a quite a bit of the wins that they had people care about the wins i don't care about the stats give me the wins of course the stats end up and, and can lead to the wins as you play like go further but like win the game i like if you need to throw three passes to win a game just win the game I don't care about the stats at the end of the day. If you're winning, the, if you're winning football games, the stats don't like, yay, right? Like Kirk Cousins has 25 touchdowns, like three interceptions, whatever that is, cool. But if they were seven and five or like eight and four, we'd be having a completely different conversation. 
they're five and seven. So we don't need to make this like a everything but conversation. Yeah, that that's the thing I don't understand is like we're sitting here and there are losses to Cooper Rush on the ledger. Right. There are losses to the Detroit Lions on the ledger. And there are and there are there are aspects of this where it's again, you don't have to be you don't have to be upset about other fans wanting to win. I think to me it's just right. and, and again, like this isn't this isn't the easiest problem in the world, right? I think like everybody, especially in this network, is extremely intelligent. And I think like we're talking about football at a level that a lot of people aren't, right? A lot of people are saying, oh, why wouldn't you want to have a quarterback with 30 touchdowns, 10 picks? And it's like, I can show you a Blake Bortles season with 35 touchdowns, right? Like I, you know, it's more complicated than that. And I think a lot of us are willing to sort of examine the complicate, you know, the complicated nature of it. We're willing to look at, you know, we're willing to look at what has happened in other franchises and things like that. And, and, and again, like, I don't think this is meant like as hatred for Kirk, just like, I, th- I don't think that all, a lot of us, myself included, who really like Teddy Bridgewater, were doing it because we extra special love Teddy as a guy. It was more just, we knew that he was congruent with winning. Right. And we, we know that. It, <laughs> and he was cheap. There were just so many. Yeah. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. We knew that the Sam Bradford thing was momentary and it could have been congruent with winning but it really wasn't the case keenum thing was like congru- the, like i, I got to hop on this comment that dave just threw up there from raymond we this isn't like we're hating on kirk this isn't what this is at all this conversation is we're examining a lot of the things a lot of, that are said across the twitter sphere across facebook across all sides so we've examined you know the kirk situation the contract how that affects the team how the contract affects the ability to have depth and the other things that we would like around. Everyone has acknowledged Kirk Cousins is playing well. I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. I'm a Vikings fan. So we're examining as and how he's playing affects the Vikings and the team that we all root for. I don't care, like Miles said about the stats, but none of these discussions are binary. It's not like Kirk good, Kirk bad, Zimmer good, Zimmer bad. Like, we're talking about how all these things play together. We're talking about cousins. We're talking about the offensive line. The next question to Miles is going to be about the defense and how all those things go together. So we're trying to have a conversation that brings all of the nuance into the discussion of why the Vikings aren't winning games and how they all play yeah. together. Cause it isn't in a vacuum. Kirk's playing well. So the team should be winning. Kirk's playing well, but his contract also affects other things on the team. And we're seeing those things play out in the fact that we don't have depth on defense and we do have a bunch of bargain basement guys and we do have to rely on late round picks and we're seeing what that shows up on, on the field. So it's not a Kirk Man. at fault. Rick is at fault. Zim is at fault. Kirk is at fault. Blame everyone. At fault. That's what I've been saying. And we're trying to have a conversation about all of it. Six weeks. Yeah. Blame and thing that is, is, is missed in this too that, that we don't talk about enough is Kirk's deal also knocks a bunch of other people's money further into the future. So like Harrison Smith, the Harrison Smith deal is objectively one of the worst that the Vikings have ever made, right? Like Harrison Smith's a hall of fame Viking. He might even be a hall of fame NFL player, but signing him to that deal in the preseason, especially knowing he was unvaccinated, I'm not even going to bring that up and he missed two games, but like, Kirk not giving you any flexibility means that you have to go other places for fake flexibility, right? You have to go to you, you you have to go to Harrison Smith for that. You have to go to Anthony Barr for that. You have to go you have to go different places. You have to go to Eric Kendricks for that. You have to cut. You have to basically tell Riley Reef you're cutting him, and then say, "Oh, whoops, never mind." And then the next offseason, he's he he's not going to agree to a pay cut or an extension. So then you're screwed there. So then you got five weeks of Rashad Hill. You got one week. We they started yeah. Oli Udo this week. Like again, it's not just Kirk, and it's not it's 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 the not microcosm of, of all of it. Yeah, and it's this the second order things all are affected. Whereas 
when when Teddy was the quarterback, when Christian Ponder was the quarterback, there weren't any there weren't any or as many deals where they had to borrow from the future to pay for now. There just weren't. And and again, like no one's saying that Ponder's better than better than Cousins. I mean, he has just as many 10 win seasons as Cousins. And I think that that's the point is like when you have outs as a roster, you can you can do other things. And so again, I, that that's the thing. People do you want the Vikings to win or do you want Kirk Cousins to win? Because like that those are two correlated things, but not perfectly. And and if you and if you go <laughs> Quang is coming, coming strong. My favorite, all, all. My favorite comment. <laughs> my, my favorite uh my, my favorite uh commenter. But like that, I, I think you said it perfectly, Jason. You're a Viking. Like we're all Vikings fans. We we're not Kirk Cousins fans, and that doesn't mean we're not Kirk Cousins fans. But like you you have to, and and people get sentimental about these guys, right? And the fact is, is sometimes you you can't pay. Everybody. It's both, Marty. It's both, Marty. Let's let's jump to Marty's comment real quick about yeah yeah. Miles, talk to me about the, the defense. Vi- yeah, yeah. So like the the Vikings' lack of depth in general. The reason we should be as disappointed as we are about the Vikings season so far, and I've been harping on this since the tra- training camp, the, there is no margin for error. The reason there's no margin for error is because of everything Eric just laid out. They have no depth. The, the, draft, the draft picks haven't developed the way they need to. They have not been able to find sustained talent at important key areas besides a few guys here and there. The Vikings went out in this offseason and decided that they needed to revamp the defense, not even like – Long-term, this was a retool quickly type of revamp the defense because in 2020, they let all their cornerbacks go. They essentially let every def- – like, they let – they're basically – yeah, the entire cornerback group go, and it backfired in 2020 because they had to play all these rookies, and then they lose they lose people, all those things. So they go – you fast-forward to the 2021 offseason. Zim says, I need corners. So Rick goes and gets a, an aging Patrick Peterson who's actually played pretty well besides the you know the injury and then covid like peterson's played well overall i would i would say it's he's probably closer to being worth his contract than i i anticipated him to be which is a good thing uh but then you get a, a bashad breland who had his waves he's been up and down more down than up then you have guys like mckenzie alexander who he's super cheap he's on a veteran minimum deal but he has not played well as much as i like mckenzie alexander i thought he was a good draft pick at the time i was upset that they let him walk last year he has not played well, but they don't have anyone behind these guys ready to step in and take and take over. Cam Dantzler is supposed to be that guy. I think I think there's there's still a slimmer of hope there. I think we we let that last play of the Detroit game um, overshadow the rest of his game because he did play well in my opinion. I thought overall he played well in that game, and so you you might have one slimmer of long term hope in in Cam Dantzler at a very important position where your head coach is supposed to be like a cornerback guru and you just don't have that position solidified. So you're hoping that the starters don't ever get hurt. Everybody starts playing well. And then when the starters don't play well, you don't have anybody to, to, to replace them because your draft picks and your depth is awful. And that's just that corner. We talk about safety. I know Cam, Cameron Bynum came in and, and played well against uh, when Harrison Smith went out with COVID. But you still don't fully know what you have at that position at safety. You gave Harrison Smith all that money. He's 32. Um, let's keep going. Anthony Barr, you made him take a, a pay cut. His knee, his knees are degenerative. Like it's, I, I don't even know if I use that word right. But like his knees, his knees are awful. That dude's just ready to. That dude's ready to go behind the woodshed um, because that dude just his body just is not going to let him do it anymore. Um, like you have Eric Hendricks, who's an elite all pro level linebacker. That's great. He's still there. After that, the defensive line, they had to basically give Daniel Hunter this weird restructured deal because they needed to make sure that they kept him happy and, and long-term he gets hurt again, unfortunately. And like they go sign, they have two nose tackles at a D tackle who don't sustain any pressure. So, but, and they're not even doing good against the run. Like they were brought in to help sustain and to, to stop the run, they haven't done that. And then you have an, a defensive end. You have to bring Everson Griffin back because you didn't, you couldn't develop or find another defensive end. 
And unfortunately with Griffin's situation, I'm not even going to get into that. You know, I just hope all the best for him. But like the Vikings, they put all these band-aids on these open gash wounds. And they said, this will heal, heal us. And this will get us through the season. But those, those wounds are are growing and growing and the band-aids shrinking. So like, the the defense isn't playing well. Zimmer, you can, the you can you can see it all over Zim that like he no longer knows what to do, and he let Jared Goff. And you can it, it all it all came together on Sunday in the fourth quarter with less than two minutes, no timeouts. Jared Goff walked his his offense down the field and scores a game winning game winning touchdown. Like you can just tell that Zimmer's lost it. Like. Zimmer's I don't know I don't know what's going on but like you can just see the defeat in him and like that's where you know it's it's over like it is over for him it's over for the like for for what he did and and I'm very appreciative of what Zim was able to do to for this franchise because he came in and revamped an entire offense our entire uh um roster especially on the defensive side and he made this team relevant again but it's no longer there. It's no longer there. It's like the sustainability is no longer there. He's lost his fastball. They don't have the time. They don't have the time or the resources and, and and draft capital to give him everything he needs anymore. And so, I don't even like. I the the reason I didn't want to like this. It's really hard to make this show entirely about Zim is just because, like you know, Zim's over. Like you know that's a wrap. And like there's like almost nothing else that can be done to like. And I I also don't know if he wants it anymore. Like, does he even care? Like, I I assume he cares to like make the playoffs. But like, does he even want to come back if they if they make the playoffs and they even offered him to come I mean, back? I think like, to your point, it Miles, I think you said it. He has no answers, right? Like, he's out right. there. Listen to listen to the guys you just said. Listen to the guys that you just said. Like, what he's working with. And I know that in past years, Eric's pointed out for us. Like, Zim typically gets more from his players than the talent we see on the field, like when we're evaluating them from a pro football focus, great perspective. But defense is a, is a weak link system. And I mean, we got Troy Dye out there, Nick Vigil out there in the last game. I have no idea who's on our defensive line. Uh, and a bunch of cast-offs at cornerback. Like, it's impossible for the Vikings defense to be good. Like, Zimmer is... I mean, he's done. It's a wrap. I think Miles pretty much summed that up. Just nothing else to be said. Like, Zimmer is done. I don't see there's any way you're coming back after getting cooked by the Lions in the way that we got cooked by the Lions. But, like, we also have no players on that side of the ball. Like, we have none. So, I also am not surprised that the defense is terrible when me, a Vikings fan, doesn't know who's starting on the defensive line on Thursday. You know? <laughs> like Yeah. Well, and I think that that was that was part of the miscalculation, right? Which was that Zim could patch it up, or you know, twenty seventeen. We always talk about twenty seventeen. The twenty seventeen was a Zimmer thing and a Rick thing, when in reality it was kind of a luck thing, right? It was, you know, I did too. Marty. I look at, you know, I, I look at, um, I I look at the. 2015 draft we we litigate this forever but like how many they're still living off of that they're still living off yeah, how many great draft, players that's the, that's the hard part how many great players do we enjoy from that team and that draft but how many bad in my opinion bad lessons we've learned from it right like um you know trey waynes uh you know uh you know the we we take hunter in round three and he becomes a superstar and we believe Oh, college production doesn't matter. And Andre Patterson is this great guy, you know, this great person who can spin it up. And they've never spent higher than a, if you don't count Ngakwe, they've never drafted a player in round two or higher at defensive end or defensive tackle since then. Um, you know, the digs thing. Well, and then they go back and they take Treadwell in round one, and it's like, well, we can we can draft wide receivers wherever we want. And I know, you know, Jeff Jefferson was good, but that was a replacement for Diggs. They didn't go back and get right. a three guy, you know, and in nineteen, when they really did have the talent, in my opinion, to challenge for the NFC, they didn't have the third wide receiver to combat great defenses. And, and so we look at that that entire draft and we're like, we took 
a lot of it was great and every team has one of those look at the saints in 16 and 17 with michael thomas Lattimore, all those guys it's like but those those are mostly luck you know and i think you know um spielman actually does a good job of trading and and accumulating picks and stuff like that but like to not when when cousins is your quarterback and you bought him based upon the spoils of great luck in the draft you can't be all that surprised that when the great luck goes away that the great luck you were banking on can no longer um we don't we don't speak of him but like the 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 good luck goes away that that's sort of the issue right like if you put cousins on that 17 team they're in the super bowl but like that's not what you get to do right you have to sort of reshuffle right. the de- the deck of cards every single year and i just don't think they appreciated the variance that could come from that well, and they spent so many years focusing on drafting defense that it got to a point when they draft they, they signed Kirk Cousins where they said, well, we have to make sure we have enough around Kirk Cousins. Mike Zimmer, you need to do a job where you're going to have to work with less. And working with that, working with less has shown itself long-term. Like 2018 and now, that defense in 2018 and 2019 were still good, but you could see the wheels starting to fall off after, in 2019. And that obviously came to roost in 2020 and in 2021. They don't have, they've lost their ability, at least from like a mid, mid round to late round standpoint to find those diamonds in the rough that can circumvent some of the issues where they don't hit on a first round pick where they miss in a free, where they miss in free agency. They, they haven't found those guys that are cheap, that are overperforming their contracts when they need them to add important. At important the first positions. rounders haven't been that good either. If you go back right. to them, it's not like they're hit. Well, and that's it's, what, it's the Eric point. Is, yeah, that, and that's what I mean. Like the 2015 draft, like the 2015 draft, Trey Waynes is the worst of that like bunch of really good players, and that's okay because they got Eric Hendricks, Daniel Hunter, Stephon Diggs. Like those guys made Trey Waynes more like less important. So like the Vikings aren't finding their. They're not like you were hoping Cam Dancer could make Jeff Gladney like expendable. Like screw that guy, right? Besides the off field stuff, like you're hoping Cam Dancer can be, can become that guy. You're hoping like that fourth round um, uh, DJ Wanham can be be that opposite Daniel Hunter guy. Like you're hoping for these things in in situations where the the percentage that it's going to happen is very low. But you're hoping it's just like all this hope and a prayer that you're going to find it, and they haven't, and they're they're not hitting on any of them, and so that's the hardest part. Is like when you stop finding those diamonds in the rough at all, it becomes even worse for you because you don't have any cap space to go replace them, or you're having to use the minimal cap space you have to replace to replace those guys because they're not hitting. A DJ Wanham, you go give Stephen Weatherly two and a half million dollars or whatever it was. You go give Patrick Peterson $7 million, $8 million because you have to because your development and your drafting has not worked out. So you have to go get those guys. It's not because you want to add more depth and talent to your team. It's because you have to find starters even at even if you have to overpay for them. So it's become a microcosm of Rick Spielman missing in the draft, the Vikings' lack of development as well, and then the Vikings not having any cap space and pushing – all that money into the future. That's why I keep saying they're all to blame. It's all this, it's this whole, it's a whole encompassing issue. So like if we do like a percentage of blame, 33, 33, 33, all the three most important people within the franchise are all to blame. And you can, I don't care how you want to divvy up that pie chart. I said 33% everywhere around, but like you could divvy that however you want. They're all to blame in some capacity. Yeah. I agree with that. And the other part is, is the competence that you get with Cousins and with Zim and with Spielman. None of them are a complete disaster. The competence right. that you get with them means that you're never getting a premium draft pick. The re- one of the reasons why they haven't taken an edge is they're never in position to get Chase Young. They're never in position right. to get uh, you know guys like that. And then you're also, because of Cousins' contract, When's the last time they signed a, 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 a an outside free agent to an actual deal? 
You know, like we talk about this right. year, it's it's Breland, it, it's Peterson. It, I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson, the closest thing, and the only reason they could get him for a market deal is because it's only two years and he doesn't play a premium. He's actually playing out of position in a non-premium position. Like they, you know, they can't even go out and get like you look at, and I I think of Cleveland, go out and get John Johnson at a premium deal. Go get Troy Hill, and it's like, well, you, when you have the quarterback, you can patch the holes sufficiently in some ways right and, and you just can't with, with the cousins deal right there it is so we're gonna bring it home because our man eric has been working all day has to hop on yet another show after this but to sum it up and uh, i think raymond asked another uh question in there around does it all come down to leadership yes we agree zim should be gone we need better leadership but it isn't just leadership you also need players which we don't have any defense we got no players so, like, it doesn't matter who's coaching the defense. They're going to be bad because we're not hitting in the draft. And Cousins' contract makes it difficult to go into free agency. And so when we talk about Kirk again, not hating Kirk, no one here hates Kirk, don't know the man. But I'm a Vikings fan, and I want the Vikings to win. And having a very expensive player at that position who is not an elite-level player at that position gives you no margin for error anywhere else. And as we've learned over these last few years, it's really hard to stack your team through the draft and with bargain bin free agents and to have a winning record because I don't think we even have that during the Cousins era anymore. So that's it. That's all. That's the show. David, come on in. Let the folks know what's coming up tomorrow. Eric, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks for coming through. Can chop it up and talk Vikings with you for hours on end. Nick. Marty, Lene, Quang, Nicholas, Thanks, everybody. Mary, Raymond, great. everybody. Thank you for coming through. It's been a great conversation. David, talk to the people. Join us tomorrow night for Vikings Happy Hour. I got notified late last night. Darren will not make it, but I will be there along with Matt and uh, Ryan. We will not only be drinking beer and talking our normal happy hour things, drinking whatever beverage, I'll probably be whiskey, we will also be previewing that Steelers game, which will be Thursday night. And then, of course, after the game and that final two minutes, Jason and the rest of us will hop on for the final score. Hopefully we'll be less sad. Well, there it is. Hopefully. Thanks, everyone. David, play the music. Skull, everyone. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pocket. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.